We're on. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Dan. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. I'm Grandpa. And welcome to the 1970, what are we on now, three? 1973? I think so. 1973. Academy Awards. This is If I Ran the Oscars, where we take a look at one film from each year the awards was on TV. We look at what it won for in three categories chosen at random besides. So we pay attention to the whole movie. And this year, oddly enough, we did not necessarily dodge the bullet because this was the most popular film as far as the popularity contest of the Academy Awards goes. Because we watched Cabaret. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hit the Academy Awards facts real fast because this one is notable in the history of the Academy Awards. Yep. In that it has the most awards without Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it did not get Best Picture, and after seeing it, not that surprising. Mm-hmm. Well, I, d- I don't think it had a strong story. No. Best Picture mm-hmm. was The Godfather, which mm-hmm. I probably would have preferred to watch, well, but... Tough to beat the Godfather. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right, 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 <clears throat> right. Uh, two other Academy Award facts which are not about this movie, but are very important in the f- in the wide realm of the Academy Awards. Number one, Marlon Brando boycotted the Oscars for his Best Actor win and sent someone by the name of Sashin Littlefeather to explain. Oh. Because he was protesting, uh, where is it? The standoff at Wounded Knee at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of a big deal. Which was a very big deal. And he was also protesting the portrayal of Native American. Right. Uh, kind of... Hmm? You look like you're going to say something, Grandpa. Well, you know, he can protest all he wants. Mm-hmm. Well... That's all I'm going to say yeah. about it. The other interesting one requires us to look at what are the requirements to be nominated for an Academy Award, which is something that has not come up before, because it's never been that important before. Right. But now okay. it is. Okay. To be nominated for an Academy Award, you must open for one week between January 1st and December 31st in Los Angeles County, California, and play for three times per day, and at least one of them starts between 6 and 10. <laughs> okay. Now, this sounds all needlessly complicated. However, yeah. Charlie Chaplin received a competitive Oscar for original dramatic score for a film made in 1952. Okay. Now you're saying, hold on, aren't we talking about movies made in 1972? Oh, it didn't open in L.A. until 1972. Oh. And therefore became eligible, and therefore he won. Huh. Again, it's his only merit-based Academy Award for Charlie Chaplin, which is kind of weird. And I do wish we had randomly rolled that one, because that would have been a very interesting, a a much different discussion we would be having. Well, so would Godfather. So would Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) However, we're instead talking about Cabaret, which is interesting. I'm I'm trying (laughs) to think of of words, and I I think that it's, uh, I can see, because this was a Broadway show first. It was. And I can see why it was a Broadway show because it's got singing, it's got dancing, it's got social issues, it's got singing, it's got dancing, <laughs> it's got social issues, and I think that uh, that that can hold together a Broadway play and be very fine. But I think the translation to this film, we don't have enough story to really pull it hard. Yeah, and. Just to follow one person's life, and their life is a cabaret. 
Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I don't know that that's enough of a story for me. We've watched Breakfast at Tiffany's, which, while not a musical, was very similar in mm-hmm. we follow one woman's interesting lifestyle and we call yeah. it a movie. Yeah, so or then we watched Darling, which was the same thing. Right. True. But I. Uh, which, of course, leads to the question did people like that in the, in the 60s and 70s? Well, I think that this, because it pushed the buttons on social issues. Oh, definitely. I think whenever a film comes out, and, and, and it was, you know, beautiful to look at, the, uh, the cinematography was excellent, there were some things about it that were really, really well made, and then they're pushing the social issue buttons at the same time. I think that's appealing yeah. to the Academy. Definitely. So, you said it was appealing to defend? A- appealing, appealing to the Academy. The oh, Academy well, yeah. of Motion well, Picture listen, Arts it people. it wasn't only the Academy. For what it's worth, <clears throat> I have almost walked out of two other films during these festivals because I had had enough. I damn near did it tonight. Yeah. But I'm glad I didn't because I'll never have that feeling again because I was impressed with just what you said. This business, I, I thought they were, well, it doesn't make any difference what I think. So what I feel is that I have to be careful how I judge these things. So I, I'm, I'm fine with everything they did here. Yeah. Well, I think there were th- some things that I felt like a banana in the box. Like it, it, it almost. There were times when it seemed like they were pulling out all the stops. Let's hit all the social hot button issues. Go. Yeah. And. Yeah, well, okay. Um, and I think that that's, and, and I think that's, but perhaps that was the whole point of this film, that life is a cabaret, a cabaret of all experiences across the spectrum, top to bottom, left to right. Okay. And maybe that is the point of this film. Mm-hmm. So, Interestingly, this so, film is based on the Broadway musical, mm-hmm. which is based on a play in from 1951 called mm-hmm. I Am a Camera. Which is based on a novel, The Berlin Stories, which is semi-autobiographical. Huh. So down the rabbit hole, this goes back to someone who lived in Germany in the yeah. 1930s. Who yeah. was there? Sure. And saw someone who was a British cabaret girl mm-hmm. meet someone and have a legal abortion mm-hmm. based on it. Right. Like this is all the way down technically a true story. Well, but it's it based took, but, on... But it's been changed all the way up and sure, probably sure. things mm-hmm. added. So, the people of this film, and there's not too many because a lot of the people in this film, there's not that many main characters, and some of them right. are, like, German movie stars. Sure. There's a couple that we may know. One is uh, Liza Minnelli, who... We've heard of her. We've heard of her. Ha. She did not have that many, like, top movies. Like, New York, New York was not actually that well-received. She did a lot of work. She did a lot of work. She's right, still right. doing work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Believe right. it or not. Uh, daughter of Julie Garden. Gar- Judy Garland. Garden. Yeah. Gar- Garden. Gargoyle. Yeah, yeah. Vincent, got there. And Vincent, Vincent Minnelli. Minnelli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some some credible caliber there. Well, it just makes it easier to get started in the biz. It, it does. I think. I uh, she got an Academy Award nomination previously for the Sterile Cuckoo in 1969. Uh, wow. Her next major hit after this movie was Arthur in 1981. She's done good work in Broadway and like live shows, but she hasn't really had a big movie 
since Arthur. Well, well, I like you know, like movie like uh, Star. This movie can't compare with with Godfather. She can't compare with her mother. No, I mean, let's face it. She's plenty good enough, but she's not mm-hmm. Judy Garland. Yeah. Uh, the leading uh, across from her is Michael York, who we've talked about before. Do you remember where he's from, Mom? Uh, he's from all kinds of things. Well, where we saw him from. You mean for this podcast? For this podcast. Because you've seen him in The Taming of the Shrew. Yes, because he's the he's the tutor. Yes. Ah! Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Tybalt. He was Tybalt in Romeo and Juliet. Oh, he was. Yeah, he he was. was. Yep, yep. Very young. You were there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, you're not talking about the movie. No. Okay. Uh, the, we do have to pay some special attention to Joel Gray. Yeah. Winner of an Academy Award. So he, yeah. for this film? For this yes. film, as the uh, master of ceremonies for the cabaret. So you, was he lead actor or supporting? supporting? Supporting. Michael York was the lead actor. He was up against three actors from The Godfather. Oh, sure. James Cunn, Robert Duvall, and Al Pacino were all nominated for that. For Godfather? Wow. Yeah, Godfather. And and Joel Gray won it. it was, that's that's an accomplishment, I think. Yeah. So besides that Academy Award he has, he has a Tony, two Grammys, and a Golden Globe. And wow. he did tons of television. He's wow. also done some good work in musicals. Mm-hmm. For example... Uh, the role of George M. Cohen in the musical George M., The Wizard of Oz in the musical Wicked, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's starred in Anything Goes and Chicago. Sure. So, you know, some stuff. <laughs> His, I... Uh, and he did perform very well. He, in this he show. did. I mean, for, for the role, it was, he did a really good job. Yeah. I, uh, he, his Tony is for Cabaret. As best okay. featured actor. So he got top hmm. actor slot for that one. Possibly because uh, the side role didn't do as much singing. Hmm. Note, only one song in this movie was not in the cabaret. You mean in the... Actually, in the club. Every song was performed in the club except for one. Hmm. Which one was that? That was the one where the Hitler youth were singing. <gasps> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. They were outside at a, a, a beer garden. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, there's not that many people, like, actors in this film doing mm-hmm. stuff. There's only a few right, top right. ones. Uh, but since we are talking about the score, we do have to talk about John Kander and Fred Ebb. Mm-hmm. Because they were they've the, done a couple things. Well, they were the writers for the musical. Right. And Chicago. They also did yes. Chicago. Which maybe we'll talk about later. Maybe. We'll see if that one comes up on the rotation. Mm. They also scored New York, New York. Yep. Uh, they've kind of done a few things, mostly musicals, but they've done some orchestration mm-hmm. for film. The uh, orchestrator for this is a guy by the name of Ralph Burns. He did the orchestration arrangement for the film. Uh, did work with Kander and Ebb because some of the songs for the musical were not used. They wrote new ones. Oh yeah, I did. I did read about that in one place. But he's been a composer for films, you know, from '74 to '89. He did orchestration starting in '64, 
Uh, he was the conductor for New York, New York. He did the orchestration for the Spanish Inquisition song in Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1. <laughs> I did have to look up to make sure it wasn't the Monty Python Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> and it was, in fact, a different, funny Spanish Inquisition thing. He did orchestration for the Adams Family in 1991. Okay, hmm. that's just silly. Yeah. Not necessarily a... He's a working character actor, except he's an orchestrator. That's right. And last but not least, Bob Fosse. Foss. He directed this. Fosse. Fosse. It's Fosse, Fosse, yes. He's done a lot of musicals. Done a lot of good. Well, choreography. Choreography. He choreographed the pajama game Damn Yankees, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, Sweet Charity, Gwen Verdon, Pippin, and Chicago. Knew I'd come up with their name. Yeah, yeah. Well, and more. Those are just yeah. some highlights. And then he... And he directed this as well. His distinctive style of choreography included turned-in knees and mm-hmm. jazz hands. I think, well, and it was mm-hmm. interesting because you saw that in this film that was supposedly set in the early 1930s that the, I think Bob Fosse's style came through. Yeah. It wasn't uh, super obvious, but it was there very definitely. He is the only person ever to have won an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Tony in the same year. Huh. This year. Wow. Oh, good for him. Wow. Because uh, he got Best Director for this. He got Tonys for directing and choreographing Pippin, and a Primetime Emmy for producing, directing, and choreog- choreographing Liza Minnelli's TV special, Liza with a Z. Hmm. So, that's interesting. Well, and I yeah. think from the the pacing of this film and the uh, what the shots looked like, you, I think you can really see the influence of a choreographer as director. Oh, somebody was Very planning movement in this film. Planning the movement of the camera shots. It, I mean, this is not. A, it's very different. The feel of the the you know the frames, the feel of the the changing from. Uh, the cutscenes from one to another, uh, those were choreographed well. Yeah. Oh, I should say so. I almost, like I said, I almost walked out because I was getting tired of what I was seeing, but then something changed, and bingo. And it did take this film a really long time for us to, to think jump. that we were going to care about something. That's right. There, there, it was suffering a bit from something that I think it's... It's starting to feel like it must be our modern sensibilities. Because this keeps coming up as we watch these mm-hmm. movies. Where there's movies where there's just nothing happening. There's mm-hmm. just people doing stuff. It's people yeah. and stuff and songs and dances well, and things. You said something about that. We were at least a half hour into it. And you said, I'm not sure what's what I'm supposed to be thinking about this movie or something. <laughs> yeah. Remember that like last Liam Neeson movie we watched where it was about ordinary people doing ordinary things. Oh, golly. Which was technically worse than this because this is, is at least interesting people doing Do- things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my but, goodness. you know, we have the same grumble about that one where there's not... It's... you got to have the roller coaster of plot. There has to be mm-hmm. some sort of tension. Mm-hmm. Right. And it doesn't have to start out big. You don't... Your first scene should not be ramping snowmobiles off of a mountain. That's an oddly specific example, but I will continue to grumble at the that video game. Like a, it, that it sounds like a James Bond movie. It's a video game, unfortunately. <laughs> the first one did a very good job, and then they had a sequel, and the very first mission, you ramp snowmobiles off of a mountain and like 
parachute off and you think that's the first thing that happens where do you go from here yeah right but this felt like it was it was a variety show and perhaps that's part of it is that life is a cabaret and you're just it's one entertainment after another after another and it and if it's just a like a vaudeville show Mm -hmm. and they haven't put in the effort to make it build on a story throughout the whole show what is there and maybe maybe yeah. that's what we we're supposed to get. Yeah, which is very good for the Academy, and I feel like <laughs> is going to... F- yeah, I've complained a bit about movies having to explain how smart they are and how audiences should be smart enough to figure it out, but at the same time, if you're too smart for your audiences, then what's the point? Well, and, it's, and, this, and at times it felt like this is a film that was made... To be appreciated by Academy members more than a pre, you know, it had yes, good, it had good, it had good metaphors, and some of them I, you could pick up on, right. but they also the metaphors were usually uh, paired with good film editing or camera choices, like when during one scene where they were having a happy slappy slap fight in the cabaret. And it would jump cut to someone having a happy slappy getting beat up in the alley. And there was a third component of that, too, if I remember right, at some point within that. But I think the film editing was very interesting in mm-hmm. that. And helpful. That some, of the, some of the jump cuts were really short little blips, and you kind of think, what was that about? Yeah. You know, why, but it gave why was extra that there? meaning to scene A with the cut to scene B, and then what was happening, you know... Scene B was bolstered emotionally yeah. or intentionally by what was happening in scene A. The film editing was not bananas in bread boxes. It was it had to be full scenes mm-hmm. of right. what's going on, but the editing did a good job of trying to stitch it back together. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there was one scene where they had a little blip of cabaret uh, entertainment, a little short, tiny piece. Mm-hmm in the midst of other things going on in the show. And they had this little blip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I kind of scratched my head and think, or why Why did the why did they have the little scene with the boy dropping the ball down the steps? I was trying to figure that out. Oh, why did they do think, that? I'm going to let you think about that because I yeah. think I already know. But you I'm think you know. Think, okay. <laughs> but, I think, but, but I think that this is part about what happens if... If the theater experience is is it it's not just to entertain us, we were supposed to think about some things and why those choices were made. Ooh. Then, yeah. then it. So then we go back to the final song. Life is a cabaret. So is it just all slapstick? Is it all just tits and ass, or is there something else to it? Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're hearing this and thinking cabaret, ooh, I want to watch a movie with sexy times. There was a disappointing lack of sexy times in this movie. If that's what you're after. If that's what yeah. you're after. This was yeah. rated PG. Yeah, this was a very safe this is a very safe movie. Which is a little well, odd considering I think the title. It, except for thematic material. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not sure that I would have wanted to watch this with my ten and twelve year olds. Yeah, but we wouldn't have and known then, what they were talking about. <laughs> no, but you would have asked questions and then I would have been obliged as your mother to give you some answer. Yeah. That wasn't a lie. So, because I was committed to that That's from the fair. beginning. So, <laughs> all right. Any more thoughts on the film before we discuss awards? I know I'm sure I'll have more, but 
I'll just say a whole about them Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, for those just uh, tuning in, this film is set in the early 1930s in Germany. And at that time, Germans were getting some interesting ideas about who should be running their country and the world. But they had not yet fully realized those ideas. It would take them some years and a journey to Poland, but, you know, we'll, we'll get there. I have a surprise for you after this, after we're done here. So. Oh, I, I hope it's not that there are Nazis coming to dinner. I certainly hope it's not that. I, As far as filming, because this film was filmed in West Germany, as it was called at the time. Because kids, Germany used to be two different countries. Go for, look that up. For a couple of decades there. Rehearsals and filming were entirely in West Germany. Indoor scenes were shot in the Bavaria Film Studio outside of Munich. Location shooting was in and around Munich and West Berlin, and then edited back in L.A., of course, because that's... Mm -hmm. You know, restaurant-ish place. That really looked like southern Germany. That was, was probably... Real. In Bavaria. Uh, which would be yeah, southern I think it was. I mean, when they were driving in the car, and he mm -hmm. went to that... Say that. Okay, Smith. It looked like Germany oh. when they were driving. Uh, Schleswig-Holstein. Thank you. <laughs> um, Mom's taking an German easy, classes. That's an easy one, man. <laughs> you know what? That's in the north part of Germany. Yes, yeah. it is. Huh. That, was, that and Saxony were the non-like Berlin and Munich places where they filmed. Okay. So I figured so that's that was more probably... like your ancestral home, Dan. I figured that was probably what you were thinking of. No, because Bavaria's in the south. Yeah, but that was probably But the... I have to say, I'm going to tell the people at home. Mm -hmm. I've been to Germany a couple times. Yeah. Visit the cousins. Been out in the countryside at you know, these manor estate homes. And that's exactly what they look like. All right. With the, the formal gardens and you, from the big, from the ballroom area, you can look out and you see the gardens and there's a big driveway and it's way out in the country. <clears throat> That's what they look like. All right. They all speak high German. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> all right. So the one we're actually discussing for the one we randomly selected is art direction. And... Which I think is like, it was beautiful to look at. It was, I think it was... Things were very well planned. Mm -hmm. As far as locations, uh, costuming was not one of the things we're talking about, but it's also did a good job. But I think the art, I think the overall feel, the feel, the art, you know, the feel of the cabaret mm -hmm. was on point. You know, the feel of the, the, uh, oh, it's not a rental house. It's a boarding house. Mm -hmm. The feel of the manor house, the feel of the department store owner you know, big house, the street scenes. It seemed real to me. Yeah. It seemed like the right time, the right space, the right amount of color. And I think the cabaret, especially to me, felt like a play set. Like it was a, a, uh, set, a set for a play. The Kit Kat Club? Yeah. But not in a way that made me think like they took a set for a play and put a movie camera in it. Which is weird and hard to describe because I've seen movies where that happens, where it was a play or a musical, and then you get to a set and you're like, all right, well, this looks like we just, you know, brought in the movie camera and told them to do the play. Mm -hmm. Do you think that? It I was think it was, it was uh, stereotypical. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It was really obvious to me that the place was seedy 
possibly a little rundown, focused on the parts that people were coming in there to see, and if people weren't looking at it, it was okay if it went into disrepair. But without having to say that or, like, zoom in on a cracked timber or something like that. I don't know. I just, really, mm-hmm. I just really yeah. got the feel that the floor was sticky without them having to show a <laughs> sticky floor. Then guess what? They did their job. They did a really good job. Because they gave you that feeling, that impression, without verbally describing it. Yeah. So then I think in that regard... Oh, yeah. No, definitely. They got a prize for it. They did get a prize for it. They got a very yeah. good prize for it. And I thought the I thought the apartment they lived in was very similar mm-hmm. in its feel. It felt very realistic in the like you were you were present in that time and place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a show well. don't tell attitude about yeah. art direction. Yeah, very good, right. absolutely. Uh, the first bonus one is best picture, which we don't roll as often as we should. We don't roll that very True. often now. Now I think. It, it did not win Best Picture, obviously. No, I think it would have needed a stronger story. I think it would have needed a stronger story. It was nominated. Really? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. because they had I mean, to. everything else. Mm-hmm. Also there, I mean, Godfather won. Deliverance. Ooh. The Emigrants and Sounder. I don't know those That's last two. Dog. I know, I've heard of Deliverance, though. I remember Sounder. Mm-hmm. Remember what it's about? So you mm-hmm. can tell? No. No? I don't. <laughs> oh, Terrifically Moving Experience. Drama film... About plot, Morgan's... Oh, black sharecroppers. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I know that would definitely get you on the radar of the Academy. Mm-hmm. If, right. it was, if it was a good movie with that kind mm-hmm. of premise. I'm not saying just yeah, yeah. push a social yeah. issue, get mm-hmm. a nomination, but... Yeah. Uh, so, I, I don't think this should have, and therefore didn't, win Best Picture right, because... Right. It's mm-hmm. kind of the Seinfeld thing where it's a show about nothing, where you can be you can portray your nothing very well, but at the end of it, you know, maybe you should have made your show be about something. But I think that that's, this is then it's the, you know, it's the Mobius loop that keeps coming back and you think you've gotten back to yeah. the beginning, but you haven't. You're on the other side now. If... If you make your th- show about nothing and you do a good job of it, should you be awarded with the award of making your thing about something because you made your thing about nothing so well? well and this, the answer is no, you shouldn't. Well, this this film made nothing until they got finished with the cabaret scene. Yeah. Uh, didn't make any sense to me, but does now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they... Going up against Godfather and Deliverance, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. wish that yeah. on my favorite movie. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, next bonus thing, Best Director. And we've discussed how good it was to have a choreographer as a director, mm-hmm. and he got the award for Best Director. Oh, he did? He did. Okay. Beat out John Borman for Deliverance, Francis Ford Coppola for The Godfather. Yeah. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, did a good job. Right. I... Best Actress went to Liza Minnelli for this one. Supporting actor Joel Grey. Uh, best Score. Do we think that this would get Best Score, which this category... Let's see, what are they calling the categories this year? There's Best Original Dramatic Score and Best Scoring Adaptation and Original Song Score. So it would have been in the second category as an mm-hmm. adaptation. Do we think that this one... There were three movies nominated... And two of them are not as big names as Cabaret. 
<laughs> oh, what were the other two? Lady Sings the Blues and, oh, which Ma- was good. and yeah. Man of La Mancha. Oh, well, they're popular for both. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but this one was a blockbuster. This one was a blockbuster. And I mean, the songs were pretty good. Yeah. Like, yeah. they were good musical songs. Mm-hmm. It did win. Yeah. And yeah. I think not terribly surprising. There probably weren't that many. Uh, there, I mean, if there were only three right. nominations and there's normally five, there just weren't that many yeah. quality films in that particular category. And best score is always weird, at least in this era. Right. Because it bounces around about whether it's dramatic versus musical or mm-hmm. original versus adapted. And mm-hmm. so right, year right. to year... Yeah. It's difficult to know what kind of films you're going to be considering. Mm-hmm. So, any idea what film won for best original song for the picture? I'd be seeing it right now. Oh, you're you're. I'm you looking. already know the answer. Yeah. Well, then just tell us. But it wasn't. This movie did not have an original song because not, I don't th- I don't know that it would have. No, it was not original for the picture, right. and there was not a song, not a best song. Period. Poseidon Adventure, the morning after, the morning There's after. Got to be mm. morning after. <laughs> yeah, that there one. you go. Good okay. job. You got it. But this film was not nominated for best costume design, which I find a little interesting. I figured that would have at least been a nomination. They were moving too fast for me to try to evaluate that. Kind of stuff. You are not wrong, but I don't know. it did get film. It did win for film editing, which we've talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. Our direction, obviously, and cinematography, which also not surprising. There was no best special effects this year. Must not have been enough movies nominated. Ah, uh, yeah. There's a special achievement award for Poseidon Adventure. First disaster film. Yeah. First but, big disaster film. But this one, I think it. The kids don't understand that when I was a teenager, there was no such thing as disaster films until Poseidon Adventure. And that was so shocking. It was such a big deal. It was huge. And then there, then every year there was a, some new disaster. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you want to be factually accurate, it is not the first disaster film. Well, I'm sure there were other disasters. It was not even the first disaster film of the 1970s, which is when it saw a rise in popularity, because that is Airport. Mm -hmm. Oh, which was filmed here. However, Poseidon Adventure followed quickly after, and then Earthquake and the Towering Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So we, we get the... We can have the pride of having the first disaster film filmed locally. And then, of course, <laughs> disaster films ramped up until it hit Titanic. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Die Hard. No, nobody had guts enough to make one about Hiroshima. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've made. Uh, they, they've. Uh, there've been some Japanese films made about oh, things like that. Documentaries, of course. Right. Yeah. But it's not something that That's, goes uh... on here. I. You'll have to listen to our other podcast to hear us talk about movies made about hardships or struggles in another country that are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. For Operation Chromite, go watch it. I think it's still on Netflix. Yes. It's a good movie. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was a surpriser. Yeah. But I think that covers this movie. Nothing mm-hmm. else to add. It's so. a reasonable film. Mm-hmm. It's You know, if it's free at your library, go watch it. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. The, the version we saw, I think, was the original DVD release. Which is why original VHS. Well, it was on DVD. Transferred to a DVD. Mm-hmm. But it's got a really poor aspect ratio 
because it was put on DVD in widescreen at a time before there were widescreen TVs popularly <laughs> available. So it's burned onto the DVD in four by three yeah. with black bars on top and bottom. And sides. And sides. And, well, no, it wasn't on the sides. The reason it's on the sides is because our TV didn't re- can't remove the black bars from the top and bottom because they're part of the original picture. Oh. And therefore, instead of stretching it to look really stupid, it, it just, just put black it. bars on the sides. So what we ended small. up with is a widescreen image in the center of the TV, <laughs> and it looked kind of bad. This is a really modern problem, isn't it? It is. Yes. This is an interesting... T- tune in next week for our new technology podcast, <laughs> TVs are Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. All right. Bye.